0: Grief can be the strangest thing. We never grow beyond it, just around it. It comes and goes like waves and can hit at the most unexpected moments, and it can feel impossibly hard to navigate. Erin Zimmerman has experienced more than her fair share of loss so far in life, and she's collected many invaluable coping mechanisms along the way, including real ways to best help grieving girlfriends. If you're walking side by side along friends or family members in times of loss or finding yourself in uncharted grieving waters, keep Aaron's advice today bookmarked in your brain. Stay tuned through this conversation, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to, and now welcome Aaron. Hello, it's so good to meet you and be here. Yes, welcome to Thrive. I am excited for this conversation because you've got... Quite the impressive resume, but I'm most excited for it because I think beyond the impressive resume, you've got a real story of really taking grief and turning it into strength. And I feel like so much of social media and business is seeing a highlight reel and kind of looking through people's windows, so to speak, not really getting the full picture of what it takes for someone to get to where they are and all of the overcoming that has to happen along the way. And that is so real and that we all probably know a little bit all too well. So we are ready for you to kind of pull back the velvet curtain and share your story to give some perspective and shed light on living fully and really thriving beyond the probably some of the hardest things that we will all ever have to face. So on that (laughs) super light note, (laughs) um, introduce yourself and tell us where your story began.
1: Yes. So I'm Erin. And uh, thank you for the, the lovely intro. I am a visibility strategist as well as a producer of podcasts video, and now television, which is really exciting. Um, But, you know, we and that's not all I am. Obviously, you know, you can you can give your rundown of what you do. I am many other things. I'm a twin sister. I'm a wife. I'm, you know, I'm all of all of these things. Very nuanced. And on top of that, you know, I am constantly grieving, uh, as I feel many of us are, but many of us don't think that that's acceptable. And so I have, I found a way that works for me uh, to work alongside that grief and to uh, basically just kind of help, it helps drive me now, Uh, which may sound super weird, but it was one of those things where I realized really early on uh, in my life that death is a part of life and uh, the way that I deal with it or don't deal with it will affect how I grow or don't grow.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. If you're willing to share, can you kind of give us a glimpse inside some of your grief and what you've had to go through um, that you're, that you're referring to so that everyone can yes. kind of have the the full picture at play here?
1: Yes. So the, the grief for me that I speak of is in, in losing loved ones and, um, oddly enough, the first loved one that I, that I really uh, was connected to um, that I lost was uh, my brother who wasn't even born yet. My younger brother, he was uh, still born, uh, but I remember feeling, and I, I was four years old at the time, my, my sister and I were four years old at the time, but we remember it very clearly, like the happenings around it, um, you know, the funeral service and, Uh, really just feeling much more tight-knit as a family after that very uh, very family driven very loyalty to the family driven kind of thing Um, and as as hard as it was to lose you know it was it was more of the idea of having a little brother at the time but now it's like like it has come through as a, a real loss we we realize just how you know lucky we are as a family Uh, to have each other and that it didn't break us, it brought us closer together. And so that is one of my earliest memories uh, is just overall is losing him. And just knowing how, you know, I'm four years old, my sister and I were, we we kind of, it's not that we were forced to grow up. But, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of, you you develop a more empathetic side, a more nurturing side for those who are uh, going through it rougher than you are. Um, And so it all started, it all kind of started there. And I'm, it's not like I've lost people in like a domino effect and I lose people daily, but uh, you know, you, you deal with the grief of that, that first loss, and then it goes from there. And so I've had a a handful of um, tough circumstances and um, I've grieved, the loss of a friend who um, was killed in a domestic uh, issue at my school when I was in grade school. Um, and, uh, you know, we still deal with some of the um, the aftermath of that whenever there's a school shooting or something, it kind of all comes flooding back and, and you deal with it over again. And so like once you once you grieve the first time, I realized very quickly it's not linear grief is not linear and it's not something that you just get over and don't think about ever again my brain i've noticed does this cool compartmentalization thing of course um and so sometimes it takes some of these traumatic events to bring it back or sometimes it takes you know a smell to bring it back to me you know where it's like oh this smells like you know outdoors the day that this thing happened um I, you know, we lost my grandpa pretty early. I, I have a, a friend who, uh, one of one of my husband's good friends, was uh, murdered by a police officer, and so it's just it feels like, you know, just something that everyone goes through. And unfortunately, this this type of grief, these traumatic, these big traumatic uh, grief episodes, um, and unfortunately, it feels like more and more people are going through the big traumatic grief episodes uh, with, you know, pandemic or school shootings and all these other things. And so uh, pretty early on, I I kind of recognized, I think it was without really thinking about it too much, I recognized that I could take, uh, you know, I could think about the person and their life instead of just their death. And now I take the things that um, I remember most about them, pieces of pieces of them, whether it's like their strength um, or the way that they interact with people. And I try to remember how they did it so that I can then bring that into my own life and kind of carry pieces of them with me as, um, as, you know, uh, legacy kind of.
0: That's a really cool thing, I think, to do that. You're doing it so intentionally, too, as a way to kind of let it live on, even if it's not something that is being publicly known or heralded or shared or whatever, but it's really just something, a small, quiet way for you to have a big impact through them. And it just kind of lives on through you. And I think that that's just really beautiful.
1: Thank you. I, I, I feel that when I think about it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, again, these, these people will never leave me. And if I think about you know, the different memories I have of them and those overarching personality traits or actions or, or quotes, you know, uh, interactions with me specifically. It's, it's helpful for me to grow as a person, but also to continue to keep their, their living memory alive.
0: Yeah. What was, now this might be a little bit more relevant for things that happened as you got older, since I'm sure being four, this is like, not at all on the brain, but was there anything that was maybe more impactful or important for you when you were first grieving different things, things that looking back, you can say, you know what, if God forbid, I experience a feeling like this again in the future, or if I need to help a friend going through something, grieving something really significant, this is what I would want to bring to the table and share or something I would want to intentionally repeat or just kind of make sure is like in your corner as you're as you're going through something that is horrible or unimaginable
1: so i I always think back to um you know, as a child, like the fact that I was four years old and and that my sister and I were you know, consoling our parents. And many of the adults in our lives have the memory of us doing that at the funeral, Um, you know, laying our head on our mom's shoulder, things like like rubbing their arms, things like that, that it's like, wow, we knew to do that almost instinctively, you know? Um, And then as you get older, it's like, so often I, I run into people who say, I don't I don't know how to handle it. Like, I don't know how to talk to a person who's grieving. I don't know whether to pull back or immediately be in their face and be trying to get their attention so that I can distract them. And everyone grieves differently. But I think that 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 thinking back to when I was a child and really bringing that empathy piece in um, has helped me as others are grieving. But also, you know, anytime I'm grieving as well, give myself a little bit of space and empathy and grace um, and it's, it's something I've been, uh, dealing with quite a bit recently, uh, with a friend who ha- who has lost their parent, um, is that I want to check in with them. So something that I, that I do as I check in with her, I don't have it, you know, scheduled out, but I think if, you know, if it's something that is really important to you and you don't always remember something like that, it could be something where you know you mark in your count cal- I have a paper calendar because <laughs> I am all into lists and you know being able to see something out in front of my face. Me too. And so sometimes I you know, I do schedule check-ins. So it's like, okay, I know I won't have the capacity today or tomorrow, but like reminder check-in, whether it's business or grief or whatever it is, check in with your people. Um and so I have made it a point to check in about once a week and just say, hey, how are you feeling? Um, a lot of times, uh, the best way to ask that question I have found is how are you feeling really because you know when people get especially in their you know highest grieving time where something has just happened, um, they get they're like, I'm doing fine, I'm doing okay. they kind of get into um, this pattern of answering with the same answer but there's really no answer behind it. And so um you know I, I give them space so that if if they want to answer in that way, if that's all they've got for me that day, that's fine. But with the really, it kind of, it helps where it's like, you know what, today is really hard. Um, But then I ask questions that aren't leading questions. I'm really in empathy mode where I'm like, I'm here for you if you ever want to vent. And a lot of times reminding people of that um, is important because, you know, they hear it just as I've heard it before, it's like, you can reach out to me anytime. And open invitations don't always feel inviting. It's like, oh, that means that I still have to go to you. And then I still feel like this is not a good time for you, maybe for me to vent or to cry or whatever it is. And so, yeah, just reminding people pretty consistently that you're there, um, and that you'll always be there. And saying that in, you know, almost every interaction, it's not you're never going to say it too many times, you know, you're never going to annoy someone by telling them you love them and you're there for them, whatever they need kind of thing. And so that's just something that I, that I really like to do. I know there's an outpouring of support most of the time, right after an event like that. Um, and then people kind of disappear after a while. Like you get all of the meals, you stick in your freezer, and then it's like people are gone after the funeral or service. Uh, I don't like to be that way. And so that's just like my reminder to people and to myself is just check in um, because oftentimes, like especially I'm, I'm thinking about it specifically because of this, this loss of my friend's loss, my friend's recent loss. Um, that I wasn't able to be home for the service, but I checked, well, I could have been home for the service, but what I did was I said to her, I said, if you need me right now, let me know, I will be there. But I also, would you rather I come out after things settle down, after people kind of get out of your face? And that's what she wanted. And I know for me personally, that's what I would want in most situations. Sometimes maybe not. Things change. Again, the grieving process is different every single time. Um, But yeah, just the the checking in and setting reminders if you need to. Setting reminders isn't a bad thing. And eventually it will turn into more of a routine so you don't have to. And it's not like, oh, I need this reminder because I'm going to forget about my person. It's just a reminder for consistency. Um, And I have found myself to do that sometimes. And then it turns into just a regular practice and just checking in on people, whether they're grieving or not is huge. Um, Getting into that kind of practice before they're grieving is great because, you know, then they already know that you are a consistent, you know, shoulder to cry on or person to yell, not to, but at, (laughs) you know, things like that.
0: Yeah. I think that's really solid advice, especially because grief can be so overwhelming as, an emotion in and of itself. And you're absolutely right. Especially if something happens, the onslaught of support can be all very good intention and can be great in the moment, but that in and of itself can also be very overwhelming. So if you're already dealing with something that's incredibly hard to process and is so overwhelming emotionally and mentally, sometimes being additionally overwhelmed by people showing up from every angle. And like you said, asking you questions that require thought or answers or any sort of further brain power is not necessarily something that you need to put on people. So I think that's a really solid idea you have. I've also heard people say before, and I thought that this was always really smart to think of gifting essentially like tedious tasks or just kind of like showing up and saying and Saying I'm coming over to help do your laundry. Like we don't even have to talk if you don't want to talk, but I'm just going to like throw a load of laundry in for you so that you don't have to think about it. Or I'm just going to do your dishes and like bring you a bottle of wine or like something where you're not imposing on people. You're not requiring response or thought or anything, but you just know your person well enough to show up and be like, you know what? I'm just going to take something off of your plate right now because there's a lot there and it's, it's a heavy plate. And I always thought that was just like really, really powerful because I just know in those moments, like even if you are not in a grieving state and you just happen to have people over and you are getting flustered and, and you always know that one friend who just picks up on it and reads the room and reads you and just like handles something. And they're like, you know what? It's taken care of. That's always where you have like the biggest sigh of relief. Like, wow, thank you. That like really helps. So I feel like in the grieving process too, that's a really, um, not easy, but like a way to really make a difference and like show up and be there for your people.
1: Yes. And along with that, I know my sister has been doing that because she is local to my friend right now. So I'm like really grateful that she's there to do that when I'm unable to, because I'm not local to my friend right now. But along with that, you know, when we're not necessarily in a heavy grieving state, um, I feel like that's a good thing to hear, but also as a reminder, before you're grieving, or if you're in the middle of grieving right now and you're listening to this, accepting help and accepting, you know, support from friends and family is good. You don't have to say no. I'm fine, and then struggle because it is going to be a a period of struggle, a season of struggle, and then it may continue to be in you know different ways throughout your life after this one. I mean. Grieving again isn't just compartmentalized, like we may compartmentalize trauma in our brain. It's uh it's an ongoing process and you'll handle it differently every day. Um, and so yeah, just being able to accept that and, and offer that kind of support back, it's it's mutual support that's gonna keep us as humans thriving, honestly. It's it's our community. And if we don't have community, you know, to help us out in the bad times and for us to then help them out in the bad times. Like, what are we here for? We're not, we're not in our own little silos. So please remember that. Please remember to accept all of the help that you need, even if you think you don't need it, accept it. Um, Because it's just people who are there to support you in in your time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like you said too, it's such a journey and a really a wave to ride. Um, And this like ongoing process, it doesn't necessarily end ever since loss is oftentimes so permanent. So when you have moments where you do feel sad again, or you find yourself back in that headspace, back in a grieving headspace, I know we've said it's different every single time, but do you have any sort of favorite things to do in that moment, either to sit in it or to kind of intentionally move through it, just like anything that has helped you where you feel like you are, I don't want to say grieving well, because that doesn't, I don't know if that's even a thing, but kind of like grieving in a healthy way where you still feel like you're honoring the person, but you also feel like you're not kind of succumbing to the sadness all of the time.
1: Yeah. Number one, if you need to wallow, wallow. Like there is a time and a place for that. Uh, and it's on your own timeline. So again, it's not like, you know, this just happened yesterday so I can only wallow for one day. Um, but what I what I tend to do is, you know, let people know. I have a couple of friends that I'm like, you know, I'm feeling really low right now, just letting you know so that you know they can check in on me because then I'll let myself wallow. I, I'll tell my husband too, if I'm having a rough time, I'm like, okay, this afternoon, I can't work anymore right now um, because I work for myself. I'm a, <laughs> I am kind of allow myself some space and grace around that kind of stuff. I'm like, I just need to uh, curl up um, in my room with all of the curtains shut and just like put the blanket over me. And, but that's not how I handle it all the time, but there are times where it does happen that way. And how, you, no matter how you grieve is, is, Totally cool. As long as you have support and you have like a little system set up. Um, So that's one thing I do. Sometimes I do wallow. Um, It could be years and years later and it's like, this is what I need to do right now. Another thing I really love to do to help move emotions is specifically turn on a TV show or a movie that I know is going to make me cry. (laughs) Or that I know I have emotionally connected to. Um, And again, just sit there in the dark. And watch it, and let whatever happen happen. Because sometimes I do feel like emotions are kind of stuck, and uh, especially when I'm in a grieving period, that's not great for me personally. Um, and then the third main thing for me is that I have brought, like I mentioned before, um, some of my, some of the people that I've lost in my life, some of their strengths. Um, I I have brought into my own life. So if I'm feeling sad about missing uh, and and missing a particular person, I'm able to be like, okay, what was it about them that you know I admired uh, and sometimes idolized? And so, for example, um, uh, my my husband's friend, really good friend who was killed, he was a firefighter, and so that was something that in the weeks following his death, I really thought about, um, and I thought about how strong he was. And so if ever there was a day, it started out just in the gym one day, I was like, I don't really want to go to the gym. I'm feeling sad, but I went to the gym and I thought Bruno would want me to go here. He would want me to go to the gym. He'd want me to get stronger. I need to get as strong as him because we don't, you know, he's not here to save us from our fires, but I can be here to save us. And so that's something that I I was like, I thought of his physical strength. And then I went from there and I'm like, okay, this is how I have some more mental strength now too. Um, And I bring it into parts of my business when I'm sad. Like if I'm sad and I'm working, I'll stop. And I think, okay, I can push through this. And then I, you know, I can grieve a little bit, however I want. But um, the the strength piece really comes from him. Uh, My aunt passed away. And she was, and this was a few years, a handful of years ago, she was a marine biologist and a professor. And the commentary that I heard most at at her funeral, and that I, you know, I remembered this as well personally, was how gentle she was and how she loved to simplify ideas uh, for her students to make things easier. And I've brought that into my business, honestly, it, I, I hadn't really put into words before how I helped people. like it was really difficult for me to like put my elevator pitch together. Um, but once I realized, oh, I help people simplify this so they can you know get back to doing what they love and what they're really good at, that's a piece that I that I bring with me. And so anytime that I'm talking with someone or teaching something, I'm just like, okay, how can I distill this down further? How would she have done it and and how to approach something gently? and doing that. Um, and then a third part, I'm not going to go through every single person that I've lost, but a third person that I really take with me as well is my granny. And she was not related, not blood related at all. Uh, but whenever my family moved to an area where we didn't have any family, when we were when my sister and I were really, really young, uh, she was our babysitter. And she's just, you know, we met her when she was 65. And we were just a few months old, and grew up with her and she became one of my best friends. Um, through college, we would we would visit her on weekends and, and on holidays and we just spent a lot of time with her. And she, even when she was alive, she kind of became my like, I don't know, uh, I, I call her my prince as in like Prince the musician because she was always herself and she always said what she needed to say. Uh, and because of that, I'm like, this is how I want to be. Like, she's kind of like my guiding beacon with like, when I feel like I, I need to play small or I need to follow some rule. I'm like, why granny wouldn't have done that. And so that works really well in my business and in, you know, everyday life. So just remembering the, the things that made me smile or cackle, or even things that like I didn't realize at the time, but I have grown to realize in hindsight through patterns of interaction or memories from other folks. Uh, those are things I take with me, and again, I feel like it's a—it's kind of continuing their legacy. And then I love to share their stories as much as possible, um, and that also helps me in my grieving process. Where it's like, okay, I'm sad today. Why are you sad? Tell them a little bit about the person and what I miss about them, and uh, it's good. It's good to keep memory alive.
0: Yeah, totally. All of that is, I think, just really, really beautiful. And I just am really impressed with how intentionally you notice all of it and take it with you. Because I feel like there's so many times where people take it for granted until someone's gone. And then it becomes, oh, I remember all of these great things. But the fact that just you carried it all with you kind of in the moment where it became this like, beautiful transition of legacy that you could just keep it keep it going and the essence of who they were lives on through you. I think it's just a really cool a really cool thing.
1: Thanks. I love it too. And I you know that's one of the things that I've kind of been like playing with a little bit is I also I, I produce videos and when my grandmother was really sick, I was like, okay, grandma, how do you feel about me bringing in a camera? you just talk to me. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoyed. She told me that I could as long as I made her a movie star. So she did. She told us all these stories for a couple of weeks leading up to her passing Um, stories that I never knew about my dad and the entire family and, you know, their travels and just awesome memories, things that, you know, as a, as a grandkid, you don't sit and say, grandma, what's your life? Like, you know, it's something that it's after the fact, usually when we're like, Oh, I wish I knew more. I wish, you know, I wish we talked more. And I took that footage and I did, I made a short film and it, you know, it had a, it, a, a little uh, theatrical premiere and then it was shown on TV. And so I, I hope I did her proud with that, but I still have so much more footage that I've I can still share with, you know, the family and, uh, and we have that now. And so then it can be transcribed if we want, and we can just keep passing down these amazing stories. Um, And so that's something I really love. I love the, the documentary feel to it, but I, it's also the, you know, being intentional while people are still around, not necessarily while, you know, while they're old or once they get sick, however, once they do, just get your phone out and, and, and talk to them, um, it's, it's great to hear her voice. And uh, again, see, hear all these really funny stories that you didn't know, or, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think that uh, my grandma had a
0: a dirty sense of humor until, (laughs) you know, I love that. I think something else people sometimes take for granted is the gift of slowing down to speed back up especially when you're grieving something or someone i think it's just impossible to go at the same speed you were before like your body cannot physically handle it let alone mentally or emotionally handle it so what did slowing down do for you and how would you recommend kind of looking at your life or your business or whatever from this wider lens to be able to confidently hit the brakes and and know that it is a well-deserved necessary step and not something that is going to destroy your business or hold you back or whatever. Yeah. So there've been a couple of times where,
1: I, where I've slowed down to speed up and the first time that I did it, I didn't realize until uh, this last time that I did it, that it was, you know, that's what kind of propelled me forward. And the last time that it happened was in 2016 when my grandma got sick. I, Told my clients, you know, I'm going to be a little slower to respond. I'll still be available to you. Uh, Just know this is the situation. So what I do first is I'm transparent with people um, because I have made sure to cultivate, you know, a, a community and collaborators and clients that were honest with each other which is a blessing, Um, you know, when I started my business, not so much, like I was just trying to get money. And so you got that traction time. Um, But eventually, you'll be able to get into a flow where you're working with people that, you know, you can trust. And honestly, my, my thinking was, okay, grandma's sick, I need to spend as much time with her as possible. Uh, If they feel that if a client feels that this isn't good, that I'm just a little slower to get something back to them or something like that. Oh, well, (laughs) Like, and not everyone can be in that position. however, I wish that people could could think in that way where it's like you know family first. And again, if you're if you're working with the people you're meant to work with um, and the people that are that will make you happy and make your work sustainable in the long run, uh, they'll be understanding. So I was able to do that. Um, tell them, hey, I need to take a little bit of space and then I was able to spend my days with her. And when she nap, that's when I'd get work in. And so it was really, it was nice for me to be able to spend that much time with her and really pull everything back. And it made me realize, okay, this is kind of the structure I need my business to be. I need to stop thinking, oh, I'm obligated to these people and these arbitrary timelines. And I'm, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not a surgeon or something where I've got someone's life in my hands. However, I only have so much time with this person. And I, you know, it was a blessing to uh, find out a diagnosis with, you know, time left to be able to spend. And so that was the first time I didn't, but I didn't realize at the time that it's like, Oh, I can pull back and I can still have, you know, great business. I'm not dropping everything. It wasn't until this past summer I pulled back after my friend's mom died. Um, And there were some other things too, where I was just burnt out. So I pulled back, I told people, you know, I'm good. Timelines are going to be, you know, a little longer. And, and everyone kind of stuck with me, which has been great. And in the pulling back, I have been able to set up routines for myself where like the first thing I do when I wake up is I go outside and I sit in the sun. If there's no sun, I'll sit in the clouds. I just, for 10 minutes, just got to get the outdoor sun, get things, you know, get my circadian rhythm going uh, so I can sleep well, because sleep, especially in times of grief, sleep is what I go towards. And so for me, I've been able to set up a really good routine where I take care of myself first thing, because by the afternoon, I'm just like, I just want to lounge, which is also taking care of myself, but it's not the movement piece and the sunlight piece and the making sure I have enough protein and I'm hydrating. So I'm drinking at least 100 ounces of water a day. So I've been doing that. And then starting to work around nine or 10 and just working until about three. And I'm not missing anything. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, it is, it feels much more like this is when I'm most productive. No reason to push myself harder than that. Uh, No reason to over deliver on commitments unless it like really is I'm it's creative or, you know, I feel passionate about it. And so that, It's been amazing. And I hope everyone has an opportunity to do that because you don't have to, uh, deserve or like, we all deserve rest. We all deserve to care for ourselves in some way, even if it's just one way, even if it's just, I'm going to drink enough water, I'm going to sleep enough, you know? Um, so yeah. So just being able to pull back, even if it's just for a couple of days and think, okay, how do I want to operate? And that has been the opportunity. It's been the opportunity for me recently.
0: Yeah. So, so, so good. Well, Erin, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you something we ask every guest, which is what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life?
1: Thriving to me is when I feel good and in flow and relaxed with what I'm doing. When I'm not, I don't feel rushed. And I do, I get a little bit of anxiety each time that I'm like, okay, we need to go to an event we have to be there by this time. But that's like a quick anxiety blip. Um, and so I don't feel like, you know, I'm in anxious mode constantly. Um, and I'm taking, again, I'm taking care of myself, even if it's just, again, my bare minimum on here is even if I can't get my workout in, even if I can't, my bare minimum is, uh, seven to nine hours of sleep and at least a hundred ounces of water. And just that makes me feel like, completely, I do a 180. I'm much more relaxed. Uh, there's no rushing. I have to get this thing done. I have to stay up until midnight because I'm like, no, I have a forced deadline here of going to sleep and I'm going to, that's the only deadline I'm sticking to here. Um, so yeah, it's when I feel much more relaxed and I just have my blips of anxiety for just social situations. Um, and I'm able to really feel into how I want to operate each day. And I, I, I'm i totally someone who goes against <laughs> what I'm told I'm supposed to do. So routine for so long was just not great for me. I just was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to operate how I want to each day. But the routine has actually helped me uh, to operate how I want each day and bring in that feeling of thriving where I don't have to rush and work a ton of hours to live how I want to live. And that's actually the opposite of how I want to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes so much sense. Erin, thank you so much for coming on Thrive and sharing so many helpful pieces for everybody to digest. I think this will just be really helpful for everybody. Tell everyone where they can find you online to connect with you more.
1: All right, everyone find me on Instagram at easy visibility, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. I am Aaron PS Zimmerman, LinkedIn, Aaron PSZ, like, friend me, just come on. I also have my website is easyvisibility.com. Uh, but most importantly, I am in it for the connection. And I just I just want to know you so we can do a coffee chat or just, you know, a DM chat, whatever you want to do. I want to get to know you all. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity, by the way. I'm really excited. I'm excited to to meet your circle of folks and uh, share this. And yeah, this has been a wonderful conversation.